Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today, my guest is Macro CEO and founder Charles King. King learned how to make deals during his more than 15 years as a top Hollywood agent with WMA and later WME. For the past few years, King has been focused on making deals to build a business and uplift communities of underrepresented storytellers. In our conversation, King discusses his vision for Macro and how he nurtured the idea for the company for years before planting his flag in 2015. King details the deal-making behind the company's new movie, Judas and the Black Messiah, period drama about the murder of Black Panther Party chairman Fred Hampton at the hands of the FBI. It's generated sterling reviews and awards buzz for director Shaka King and stars Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. King explains how the process of getting the movie made reflects the larger mission of Macro. And he shares his thoughts on the pros and cons of the studio's decision to have all of its 2021 movies premiere simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max. And that's all coming up today on Strictly Business. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back to Strictly Business. Charles King, CEO and founder of Macro. Thank you so much for joining us from Atlanta. Thank you for having me, Cynthia. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Congratulations on the absolutely stellar reviews that are out for your latest very big project, Judith's. Congratulations on the stellar reviews that are out for your most recent film, Judas and the Black Messiah. It grabbed a bunch of Golden Globe nominations. It has had absolutely stellar uh, stellar notices for Daniel Kalea and other stars of the film. Um, it must be very gratifying to work on something like that and have, you know, as, as it is coming into the marketplace to have that kind of acclaim and really such a, such a strong launch pad for a movie like that with great reviews. Yeah, we're deaf. Thank you, Cynthia. We really appreciate those words. We could not be uh, more excited uh, to have the film be as embraced and, and well-received and uh, have critics uh, give the film praise. But it's also really been most gratifying to see uh, you know, other members of the activist community and, and uh, members of the Black Panther Party and the family members who are part of, you know, Chairman Fred Hampton's family and others really see this film and have it touch them and, and, and help bring healing too and, and shine a light and uh, rewrite history uh, for the work that was being done has been beyond gratifying and, and we just couldn't be more excited for our filmmaker, uh, Shaka King, who has such an incredible vision for telling the story and, and, and the way that he wanted it to. And, and, and frankly, all of our partners, you know, uh, Ryan Coogler and his company Proximity and all of his partners, Sev and Zinzi, and just, and, and, and for our community. You know, it's a very exciting moment. We're really, you know, it can't wait for the rest of the world to see the film when it's released on the 12th of February. You have a, you know, a, a, a relatively new filmmaker in Shaka King, a star that is absolutely on his way to superstardom, but not at this point a marquee name. How did you get that movie through? This doesn't seem like the kind of movie that you can get made these days, but clearly you did. Can you talk about sort of the trajectory and how it came about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was one of those situations. This was the type of film, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is one of the reasons why we launched our company, Macro, six years ago. You know, where we, in launching the movie, in launching our company with a vision of empowering and supporting uh, storytellers from diverse backgrounds, people of color, uh, being at the center of our, of the content that we would produce and finance and utilizing our relationship and experience in the industry. And so um, this was exactly the type of movie that would um, shine a light on a historical perspective that so many around in our country, as well as globally, are not aware of, as you talked about earlier, but also the type of project where you had a young filmmaker with a vision that perhaps is yet to have worked in the studio system. So when our partner, Ryan Coogler, uh, called us about three weeks 
after the global success of Black Panther. And he said, look, I know what I want to do. I want to spend the next year or so building out my production company, Proximity. And the first movie I'd like to make is this movie about, uh, you know, Fred Hampton from the Black Panthers. Uh, This script is brilliant. I'd love for you to read it and see if Mackerel would be interested in joining up and partnering with us. Because I have such a long friendship and relationship with Ryan going back to WME, my time there when I was a senior partner and I was one of his agents, he knew that we provided not only that we had a production group, but we also provided financing and co-financing for movies. And he's very smart and knew that this was the type of project where uh, and where parties could come together and use our collective force for uh, getting a movie like this made and seen by the largest uh, audience possible. And so when I read the script, we and my all of my colleagues and partners read it, we were, we were immediately just completely uh, in love with the version of the two-hander approach with this being an elevated thriller, uh, contemporary themes, but that would, but still told it from a, this true story of what this great work that Chairman Fred Hampton uh, was, was doing. And so our perspective was let's bring half of the financing to the table. So we, through the development process of the film and because of, you know, Shaka's great perspective and the script that he and Will Burson wrote, we, Ryan introduced him to Daniel Kalua. So we had Daniel Kalua and Lakeith Stansfield who were both interested in playing the two roles that they're in, that they played in the film, you know, Daniel Kalua playing Chairman Fred and Lakeith playing William O'Neill. So we knew we had two brilliant actors uh, who were on the rise that everyone was excited about. And you had Daniel who had been exposed internationally from Get Out. And you had Lakeith, who was on one of the hottest shows that everyone loves, Atlanta, plus another body of work. And we'd worked together with him on Sorry to Bother You. And, and so it was a great combination. But you're absolutely right. It's not like they were um, actors that the head of every studio was saying, I'm going to green light a movie for. There were, you know, there are people that everyone is, wants to work with but their trajectory was still in the upward, uh, upward direction. And so by going to market with a great script, these two amazing actors, Shaka as a visionary filmmaker, this being his second movie, uh, but his first would, would be his first studio film, but also having the weight and clout of Ryan Coogler and the success that he just had globally with Black Panther, bringing macro in half of the financing to the table with a great production plan it was when we went to market there where we had a number of people interested, but truly it was really Warner Brothers in this case and our executive, Nigel Kuykendall, who really saw it. And I think that um, it was as Macro was having conversations about perhaps having a larger relationship with Warner Brothers, we had come in as a co-financier on Just Mercy mm-hmm. and the stars aligned where they said, OK, we'll we'll do this and we'll make this together as a 50-50 co-financing partnership. And, and that was really that, you know, somewhat um, mitigated some of the risk for them with, with the party bringing in half of the equity, but it also put us in a position of we're partners. So this wasn't purely all driven by the studio. And that's part of what also helped us to continue to support Shaka's vision and how he cast the movie and, mm-hmm. and keep it as authentic as possible. And frankly, there were a couple of things that we also had to do to make sure that there were elements of this movie that would make it commercial, that would make sure that it would 
penetrate an international audience and it would have the shootout sequences and the things that we needed to not make it a smaller independent film. And to be honest with you, what we you were not going was, for art house. You, this we is not, a commercial movie. Exactly. Mm -hmm. A commercial movie. And that was the vision. Chaka said, look, I come out of the independent filmmaking world, but I want this movie to be seen by a global audience. I want it to be widely distributed internationally. And so the great thing was with Ryan's success with, with Black Panther, uh, the capital that Macro brought to the table alongside Warner Brothers, when we hit a certain budget uh, wall, Macro actually funded some additional, uh, you know, additional uh, commitment to make sure we had those additional bells and whistles that were needed to make sure the movie would have the commercial commerciality that I think we all have seen mm -hmm. with this film. And mm -hmm. that by being uniquely positioned as a company that provides capital as well as the production expertise, I think that has helped empower filmmakers like Shaka that we work with and, and so many of the other artists that we've worked with since we launched our company. Mm -hmm. I don't have to tell you how rare it is that any six-year-old company would be able to go to a Warner Brothers and say, yes, we have the, we have the resources and the wherewithal to co-finance a major, you know, hopefully wide distribution release movie. Um, can you kind of step, step back and, and talk about how macro got there? I mean, you, yes. you know, from the time you planted your flag, I know you had resources, but I also know those have really grown over the last year. What, what has yeah. been the accelerant for you? Well, we, when we launched the company in 2015, we, we, um, we raised an initial round of capital for overhead and development and really get the infrastructure and begin to launch the verticals of both the film studio financing and production business, our television uh, uh, production and now television studio, our digital content studio and the other things that we're doing, including in investments. And then somewhere in the course of that first year was when we then began to raise a larger pool of capital to provide uh, production financing. And it's from that pool of capital that we announced uh, in 2016, which was both equity and a credit facility of, of really just incredible uh, investors. And, you know, uh, Emerson Collective, who was our lead investor from uh, both our holding company uh, launch, uh, but we had other amazing uh, strategic investors across both uh, the private equity technology and just other strategics. And then the same thing with our production financing um, capital that we raised um, was from not only from Emerson, but from a number of foundations and institutional capital and family offices. And it was from that was where we are, you know, you know, co-finance Mudbound and Fences and Roman J, Israel and, and sorry to bother you, and so many of the other movies that we've, that we've financed and produced. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's the pool of capital that we've continued to work from. And so that that's where um, our co-financing on this on this movie, initially the initial commitment came from that. And then as we were in production on it, we all we have a, a philosophy and a belief of uh, of a portfolio approach to our business. You never know. We all know that sometimes the greatest movies can at times not work commercially and movies okay. that you wouldn't expect to perform outperform. And we like to use the equity as a, a, a accelerant to assist in, in getting stories like this told. But we also want to make sure we are being smart as business people 
and using and being judicious about it so we can spread out the opportunity for expanding and doing more. And so what we did in this case was we like we always like to work with other great partners. And in this case, we've had a great experience with Participant and Braun. I think Braun, we've co-financed two other movies with, uh, Fences and Roman J. And Participant, we have a great relationship with David Lindy and the whole team there. And so we thought that they would bring a value add from their marketing perspective too on the social impact work that they do. So we brought in them in as financial partners alongside of us and Warners as we were deep into production and going into our, our post process. And so they, you know, that's how we rounded out um, some of our initial capital and, and brought in partners. Mm-hmm. When you were first making the pitch to investors for macro, would you say that people got it? Did it take education? Did it take a, did it take a long time for people to understand what you were talking about, or did people recognize the need for the kind of for the approach that you yeah. wanted to take, which was so clearly yeah. ahead of the curve? And I, yeah. I, I'm not just saying that to flatter you; like you were, so, you so clearly had your sort of finger on the pulse of where storytelling and where where entertainment was going to go in terms of the opening to the great opening to a much wider range of stories. Yeah, so I'm, thank you for, for mentioning that, Cynthia. Yes, I wrote the first business plan for Macro in 2010. I think even at the initial, the, the initial business plan I wrote, I don't even think Scandal was on the air yet. There was such a tremendous void of opportunity. And I was a senior partner at WME and represented artists across every sector. And I would sit in our packaging meetings and our, our, our talent meetings and our lit meetings. And there was just no representation at all uh, for... Uh, this marketplace that this robust that makes what makes up over more than half of the people that buy tickets to movie theaters. There's certainly not a, the adequate representation of those that green light movies that represent the actual consumer base. And, and there were, and all of the new financiers that were emerging a lot of the independently positioned companies, none of whom were also focused on this audience. And I would sit there and I, I, even though I loved being an agent and an, a, an artist advocate, the, the business opportunity and the opportunity for our community was, was just too, too great and vast. And I was doing a disservice to the community by not actually taking the lead and making the jump to launch the company when I did this in two, 2015. It was absolutely a leap of faith when I did it. And I will tell you that there were some people that I did talk to that did not understand didn't understand the 15 year trajectory and all of the artists that I represented and how that would trend, you know, translate into being able to launch a company like this successfully and build it. But I will tell you that when you, when I got in front of the right people, including these amazing investors I have, there wasn't even a question. I mean, they were beyond supportive and saw the impact side, but most importantly, they saw the business opportunity. And, uh, and I believe in life, you, you have to find the right partners for the long haul. And I actually had walked away from numerous initial investors that I had early conversations with, um, even when I announced that I was leaving WME to launch Macro. And so the first six months of Macro, uh, my wife and I, we, we self-funded the company until I could find the right partners. And that's what we were able to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, you know, I mean, it, that, that is a long journey. It's a succinct way of, of, of describing, though, a very, what undoubtedly what was a long journey and a leap of faith for you and your wife to, to you know, to, yes. to take that. Have you been, you know, now that you have been in business for a while, are you, I guess, 
you know, the model is proving to work. You have been, obviously you have released, you've done a, a really prolific slate in, in a short amount of time. And they have, they have worked as businesses, business propositions as well. Yes. So on the um, film financing front of all of the movies that we've financed, when you think about it, we know the odds, what 20%, 10% work. And, and right. then, you know, 80% don't, our odds are, are much higher than that. Um, I'd say that we're probably more in the other direction. 80% have worked where we either recouped our capital and had a, a, a return and 20% that did not. Uh, and, but I would say that on the film side, we haven't had that movie yet where it was the, we haven't had a franchise or um, the massive um, box office return, but we've definitely had above average returns on a large number of the movies. We clearly have had critical acclaim and been able to build a brand and a voice and a relationship with content creators and artists and, uh, mm -hmm. and, our, and our relationship and respect that I think that to be able to do that in this environment in six years to become a go-to company for this space authentically, it, you couldn't put money on that. I mean, there's just so much tremendous value. And I would say our television business, where we initially dipped our toe in the water, we started out as non-writing executive producers on our first couple of television shows, just to really get our feet wet, because a lot of our core competency had come from film. And then when we assessed the marketplace and determined how to really build it, we then used the capital from that we raised the production capital and are now, we were operating as a studio before, but without, but really having more of the non-executive producer economics attached to that. We're now co-studioing. And so our slate of all of our television projects, and we have an amazing team where we've that, you know, led by Marta Fernandez, we're now the studio on over a half dozen shows and continuing to grow that will be going into production over the course of the next few years. And then that will um, become a lucrative business where we have co-ownership of a library of titles. And we think that also too continues to put us at a seat of power on behalf of the artists that we're working with. And we're also able to share in the upside opportunity with our partners in ways that traditional studios may not because a big part of our mission is not only mm -hmm. to grow real value for ourselves and for our investors and, and shareholder value for them and a long, long, longer term asset value, but also too is to pass some of that on to our partners creatively and business-wise such that it has a halo effect on our market. And we're beginning to see that happen in many, many cases. We'll be right back with more from Charles King after the break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day Savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. And we're back to hear more from Charles King about the storytelling mission of Macro. Macro also kind of kind of tracked the rise of the streaming oh, yes. revolution, and, and streamers have have a very different business model. They, in many cases, they're you know there's a lower barrier to entry to working for a streamer because you know you're going to get you know most of your budget up front. You'll get you know you your your upside may not be there may not be as much wiggle room in the upside, but you know what it's going to be. Was any part of that? something that kind of helped you, especially as you were just getting, you know, getting your sea legs in the business. Was that important to you? Was that that shift in the model? There's a reason why I love your podcast, Cynthia. You're, you really know our business. Yes. That's <laughs> a great question. And you're absolutely right. The very first business plan that we wrote for Macro, um, I mean, like I said, was in 2010. Uh, I have a long friendship with, with Tessa Randos and Netflix and and one of the th- things that I often kick myself in the ass for is I didn't buy Netflix stock when I <laughs> when I really know I should have because I really could see where they were going as a business, particularly once they started investing in original content. But I very early on as part of our business plan, particularly for television, was to get some early scores on the board on streaming platforms, understanding that you know they make commitments. And so, frankly, our first television show was with with Netflix with uh, raising Dion. And, uh, and that was a way also to have brand extension and to you know, really get our feet wet. And that show was the number 10 show for the platform for all of 2019 globally. And it was the number one kids and family show for, for the, the entire platform around the world. And this little, this show with a um, young black kid playing a superhero, they was, She's seen all around the world that when we partnered with uh, Michael B. Jordan on that. And uh, it was the first television show for us as a company and first uh, show for for his company, Outlier. And we partnered together and it was a great launching pad for us. And then we followed it up with our show, Hentified, which 
literally mm-hmm. starts uh, their second season next week. And so those were the early days of our television business. And then the, the shift really started happening with all of the new platforms coming coming market, obviously, now with HBO Max and Disney Plus and Amazon and Apple. And so we have uh, projects with just about every one of them. I think maybe Hulu is the one platform we don't have anything with yet in terms of the streaming platforms. And um, these are places where, in many cases, we've been able to establish the kind of co-studio um, model. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like for what you're building, it does you know, you're not a factory, but volume does help. It does help for you to have, you know, you can, you can retain the best, some of the best people, some of the best below the line, if you can keep them, if you can keep them working, I would imagine. Yes. As we, as we definitely begin to pick up, we that will also be a part of continuing to expand out and build an infrastructure. Um, right now, we're not at that peak model yet. We have two shows on the air, but like I said, we have, you know, a half dozen or more that we believe should be ramping up within the next uh, year to 18 months. And, uh, and so that will play a part of it. And of, of course, clearly there's the proliferation of um, unscripted content and docu-series. And we have a whole business around that as well that we're beginning to build out, uh, which we think is complimentary. But the one thing I think that's always important too is to think about flexibility. And that's one of the things we also try to do is understand that there are many cases where where of course it's great where you can be the studio or co-studio, but then there are some cases where you're just an executive producer because that's that was the right fit, the 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 cable network that perhaps isn't open to a, a studio because so many of the companies are vertically right. integrated and they don't want to have an independent studio. So you what we we never want to do is have the business aspect of what we're building stand in the way of great artists and, and storytelling opportunities for us. And so we, that's a good thing with us being small and nimble enough where we can, we can um, adapt when necessary. Um, but you just have to have flexibility, particularly as our market continues to shift and change. Mm-hmm. Speaking of flexibility, obviously, Judas and the Black Messiah, there's been a bit of a, you know, for, uh, for all Warner Brothers releases, as, ever, as you know, everybody in the industry knows and has been talking about. How do you feel about the situation? How do you feel about the day and date premiere strategy with HBO Max and theaters? I, on an intellectual business level, I understand the decision that they made. You know, I understand it was the, it was required and necessary for them to sort of continue to expand and grow their business and to build a direct to consumer platform for uh, for AT and T and Time Warner, particularly post that merger. And right. shareholder value, they, they have to build that out. And, they're, and they are right now, their numbers are nascent compared to Disney Plus and where Netflix is. And, and, right. and so they needed to make a bold move in order to, um, uh, to, to expand. And, and, and the decision to announce, to have all of their tw- 2021 slate day and date released I think um, was a bold move and they need, they, they needed to make a bold move in order to do that. And I think that there were probably ways I would have preferred. And I'm sure all of the other artists and business partners of those other 17 films to have been, how it was messaged in the conversations, but I could also understand the challenge of having all of those beforehand. But it's once you do it, I mean, you think about it, you go back to 
when Netflix launched with House of Cards, they made an unprecedented deal with David Fincher, right? They right. created a real right. relationship, as well as all of the, the early days of the content creators who were working there. They had a lot of creative autonomy. And, and, and in many cases, they still do. I have a, a, a lot of flexibility. What the commitment that they've made to us on the movie we're shooting right now is pretty extraordinary for a first-time filmmaker, right? To make sure we're safe in the middle of COVID and how we're shooting this movie and the COVID cost alone. And so I'd say if you're looking to really build out that base, you you can't, you can't, you want to make sure you continue the relationship with the artists and your creative and business partners that you're going to keep being in business with. And I think there was some ripple effect that and how that was handled. Um, and 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 also the understanding that each one of those movies are unique in terms of their distribution plan and their opportunity for them. And in our case with our film, you know, with it being day and date in February, the the pandemic was raging now. There's very little opportunity for theatrical. Right. And our movie, because of our the subject matter and just it's not based on IP like Godzilla, where it could right. be do as well right now internationally. It's the type of film like um, a Straight Outta Compton or Black Klansmen or Hidden Figures that that could work really well domestically, but could also then use that to platform you internationally. And because we don't have that opportunity domestically, it could impact us. So you bring it out February, it almost like limits where it's going to go business-wise. So that, that that was challenging. Would your preference have been to delay it, to d- delay the release? That, that's where you weigh it all out. The movie is so topical and so real and at the moment now, I completely would understand why we would have this movie out in, now. And then that's where you just, you then you have to think about, well, then what's the appropriate business deal for something like that? Mm-hmm. considering that the equity came from these, from, you know, three parties that own more of the equity. Right. And given your background, I know that I have no doubt that you knew, <laughs> you knew the way to get to that, to the path to that fair deal. Yes. I, you know, what the high end of a success, like those movies would have been in a pre COVID world or in a post COVID world. Uh, you have a high, mid, and low end. And so I, I think that we had such a great experience with that. I, we want Warner, we want HBO Max to work. That's only good for the business, period. Mm-hmm. I think. Gives all of us, all the all the business people and content creators and artists, a new, a great platform. And obviously the amazing portfolio of work from HBO is there as well. I mean, the the, the quality level of everything on HBO. So I I, I hope that that it, it we need it. I think as an industry, it'd be great for it to do extraordinarily well. And we're excited that it's going to be on the platform. And then for those that are excited to see it in theaters and can be safe, you know, as long as they're able to be safe and seeing it, you know, then we it's a great experience. Right. And the you know the potentially the reach on an HBO Max or a Netflix in terms of the goal of of getting people to see the movie. Actually, the, the streaming plat- platforms, I mean, you really have to have them lined up around the block to get the number of people that might see it on a weekend on an HBO Max to, yeah. to, in buying tickets. So it's, a, think, it's an interesting trade-off. I think a film like this, when uh, the people who are subscribers at HBO Max or those that they're trying to get, there were three images that went out 
to them for that 17 film slate. It was Godzilla, Dune, and it was our film. And I believe our film and the audience that's out there for it, I know many family members, you know, you can test the market when you talk to people that don't work in Hollywood. And there's a lot of them that don't have HBO Max and they're like, oh, well, I got to get it now to watch that movie. And I believe they will see, they will see an uptick. There, there could not be a more in the moment need to see this film for the culture right now than, than our film, I believe, the one that this movie that Shaka King directed. Um, and I think that it will bring a wider audience to HBO Max. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Whether you are a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.